This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, June 7th, 2020. The talk given by Pastor Alan and Carrie Jones and members of our Connection Community Church family. Hey, good morning, Connection Church. My name's Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me this morning? Mighty God, we thank you so much for today. Lord, open our eyes, open our hearts, that we might be changed and transformed by your love. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody agreed and said, Amen. 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 In our Connection Church, we have a list of eight core values. Number one on those, that list is that everybody matters to God. Everybody matters to God. In it's, fact, it's, it says everyone matters to God. No one is disposable. There you go. It's a, it's a biblical truth. The reality is, though, that even though we believe this core biblical truth, it's not being lived out around us in the culture that we're ultimately a part of. And we cannot ignore this anymore. Throughout scriptures, we see that our God is a God of justice and our God is a God of mercy. And God calls us, God's people, to call for justice and mercy as well. We hear that in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. We're also reminded of Jesus in the temple sharing the reading of the day from Isaiah 61, letting the people know that social justice and mercy had arrived in the person of Jesus Christ. This is Luke 4, 16 through 19. He, Jesus, went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovering of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, was a champion of the oppressed, of the enslaved, and those who are on the margin. And Jesus calls us to follow his lead. As followers of Jesus, we can no longer ignore what is happening around us. The past few weeks have been horrific. With George Floyd's murder on May 25th, that seems to be the tipping point. The images of his brutal death are burned in our brains. But it did not start with George Floyd. There's Eric Garner. There's Armand Arbery. There's Christian Cooper. There's Breonna Taylor. There's I could go on and on and on. And so we've been confronted with some ugly truths. 
our son, Turner, can jog through a neighborhood and not get a second look. Our friend's son can jog through a neighborhood and, and it might be he might be considered suspicious because of the color of his skin. Our son can go to a store and not be noticed. Our friend's son could go into a store and be followed because of the color of his skin. Our son might be pulled over because of a traffic violation. Our friend's son may be pulled over because of the color of his skin. And this morning, I made this realization again, but it was new. When I hugged Alan goodbye this morning, my real concern would be that he wouldn't run off the road or have an accident or something like that. <laughs> when my friend hugs her husband goodbye, she's concerned that he may not come home because of the color of his skin. We have had hundreds of talks with our kids, with our son and with our daughters, but we have never had to have the talk. <clears throat> and so today, Connection Church, it's time for us to have the talk. Jesus stood for people who others didn't stand for. And so before we take a stand, we believe we need to take a seat like we are right now to just sit down and listen, to have the talk. We can no longer turn a blind eye, ignore the injustices to humanity that surround us. Black lives matter. And so we have some friends with us, people that you know, people who have served and worked and loved and prayed, and we've lived out our mission at Connection Church together. And so we want to introduce to you, we've got Fran and Micah Edwards. You've been around for, golly days, a, kind of a long time. I looked up like 14 years. Yeah. 14 yeah. years, yeah. Tyler's 14. Um, Fran is uh, a dean and educator at Delaware State University. Uh, Micah is, is a teacher. Is it math? Math, yes. Math at Dover High School, and you coach at Wilmington, Wilmington University. University. Yes. Yay! Woo! Um, you both are disciple members. You're leaders. You've preached. You've given lots of talks. Your marriage movement. I actually started listening, and you have been involved in every movement or every part of the church. I mean, right down to the nursery. Of, of our church. And um, Fran, you're on lead team right now. Fran and Micah have three sons and one daughter, and we welcome you. Mm -hmm. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. I'd like to also welcome friend Venetia Thompson. Venetia and her husband Chris uh, have been at CCC for um, seven years. Mm -hmm. Seven years. Venetia is an entrepreneur. She serves in the office. She calls first time guests. She's part of the praise team. Chris is an accountant. And we are thankful of that because he's also part of our finance team. Yeah. <laughs> and they have two sons and a daughter, and in fact live just up the street from us. So we're neighbors. That's actually how we first met, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Carlton. Carlton and his wife Jane have been at CCC almost since the beginning. Right. 
Um, Carlton and I, we've been friends for, I call him my longest consistent friend. You know how friendships kind of are in and out. Well, it's always kind of been in, mostly for like 40 years. So it's a long time. Carlton's an elementary school counselor in Cecil County. You've done a lot of other things prior to that. Yeah. You were on the leadership team prior to Fran for a number of years. Uh, you've been in leadership with our praise team and you've served on lots and lots of teams and committees and uh, worship design team. Uh, Jane, your wife, has been a leader in children's ministry and Courtney, my girl, is uh, a rising senior. Yes, right. At Middletown High. At Middletown High and um, is a student leader here at CCC. So thank you for being courageous and joining us today. Right up front, we'd just like to say we are so sorry for all the trauma that you all have experienced over and over and over again. We don't believe there's a place for racism at Connection Church, actually in culture at all, but especially here at Connection Church. Should be no racism in the world. Personally, before we assume we have no prejudice, though, we need to dig in, look in the mirror, be honest, ask ourselves uh, if, if we're holding some prejudice at attitude, because the truth is, I think all of us someplace, the, at least in the corners of our souls, there's something there, there's things there. We need to look at that. We need to be honest with ourselves. Look at the subtly, look at those subtle judgments we make, those unconscious biases, those things that spring into mind uh, that we would rather not, but they do, and, and be real and, and, and address those with ourselves. Um, we want to just thank you for being here and sharing honestly and allowing yourselves to be vulnerable today. Thank you. We love you. Yeah. So we um, have some questions that we want to ask our, our friends and um, golly days. There's going to be a lot more after this, and this isn't a one and done, but this is a beginning that we are committed to see through for the, um, the rest of our lives here in this church. Um, we are calling this time together, call, it's called The Talk. And um, I saw something on YouTube that was an example of what The Talk is. Um, that's because the talk in my household with our son and daughters, but primarily son too, is different than the talk that might be in your households. Fran, could you share with us, or Micah, share with us what is the talk? <laughs> uh, the talk just reaffirms that we have black children who are treated differently. Um, and the talk centers around that treatment more specifically as it relates to law enforcement. Um, I think when they're younger, and, and I've shared this with you uh, before, when they were younger, with the exception of Tyler, all of our kids have had some run-in with someone who said something that was racist or hateful to them. So that's a separate talk of how you deal with your friends. But we have the talk in relation to law enforcement because we want our sons to come home. So we have our two college boys, and we, we already talk to them every single day, but I think that it's just been heightened 
in the last two weeks of what not to wear, how not to, how not to speak, the level your music should be at when you're driving, definitely the speed. I'm constantly telling them things like, you know, you got to make sure your headlights are, are not blown out because that's just one of the, the little things they can pull you over for. And then when they get you pulled over, we even have conversations about who should be in your car. I remember at one point we were like, we should, they should just get two seaters so you can't have a lot of people in the car. And it's insane. So, go ahead. Want to add anything? No, I uh, just want to echo what she said. I, the conversations that we have is, is like for, like she said, want them, want them to get back home. Mm-hmm. And it's their life-changing, life-or-death type experiences that, can, that they may encounter simply by driving down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, they already do, uh, the cops already do a uh, profiling, um, driving while black, all these situations that occur and we just try to educate them, uh, make sure all the you know, insurance cards are in the car. When the insurance cards come in, I make sure I get them all to them. Like you said about the headlights, taillights, and things of that nature. Make sure your hands are visible. Um, also seeing videos where you can put your wallet, everything up top so they can always see your hands so you're not digging mm-hmm. down and things. These talks are, like I said, life or death uh, situations that can change just like that um, because uh, the attitude of some law enforcement is like is always by force. It's never treating someone with respect or just treat them as a human. Um, that's like basic, you know, civil rights. It's treat me like a human, respect me. But they demand so much respect. And you can see some of the videos where they're just blatantly disrespectful and expect, expect respect from someone else as they talk to you like you, uh, you know, a dog or something like that. We had the conversation the other day about should we buy the, the cameras to put in their cars? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that it, so it can just automatically record if they get pulled over. Um, it's just it's sickening, and I think because they see it so much as two young men, it's frustrating for them to have to hear this from us. And their response is always, "I know, I know, I know. We're being safe. We're fine. We're good." But we still have to have this talk because we want them to come home. Um, we, we want them to be able to do what's necessary to survive. This is like a survival skill that we didn't know as a, as a culture that we would have to have. So this talk was before any of this. Oh, definitely. Because I remember when I wrote my, when I was reflecting about my son and your son, it was based on a conversation you and I had a couple of years ago. Yeah. I did a TED talk about this a long time ago where they were discriminated against in just a restaurant in, in an area that we have privilege to go to because it's inside of our clubhouse. So we, we've had these conversations with our sons a long time, um, and it just, gets, it just gets deeper and it just gets more painful because over time you would think that things get better <coughs> and we wouldn't have to have these types of conversations. So now as Tyler's 14, she'll be 15, we've now started talking about the conversations that you have um, in the dating space. Oh, these are the types of boys you can't date. He may have a Mensa IQ, but if he has on a certain type of T-shirt, jeans, and some Air Jordans, that's probably not the kind of guy you're gonna, you want to date because if you're out on the date and you get pulled over, well, we saw what happened in Atlanta last week, that could be you, Tyler. Wow. And I heard also one I saw was like every step you had to tell the, what you were doing before you did it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm reaching in to get my, I'm putting my, mm-hmm. so that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But like I said, it's videos of, uh, countless videos of, you know, uh, cops harassing um, African-American men and women. Um, and it's, just, it's a scary thing. 
um, like just like you said, just announcing every step. Yeah. Like, is it okay if I uh, reach for my wallet? Is it okay if I cut off the ignition? Some people don't even want to cut off the ignition. Yeah. And sometimes cops don't. They come to the door. They come to the car. They banging on the window, or they come out with a gun out already. Like I didn't even do nothing. It's a basic, basic traffic stop. Yeah. And these kind of yeah. scary things that continue to play in our mind. And you know, we yeah. we, we pray, of course, and and try to to uh, inform our kids accordingly. And um, just to get make sure they get home or to their destination. Right. Like checking when is when you get home or when you get mm -hmm. to your place. Wow. Checking after the party. I don't care if it's two o'clock in the morning or one o'clock. Yeah. Call me. Okay. You know. What kind of clothing are they not supposed or allowed to wear? Looks. I like? remember one time telling we were telling them that because this was when Jordan was in a high when high school. We we're like, can you just wear like khakis and a button down? <laughs> you know, and it, and, it, and and we all we all chuckle, but it's like. That's like the safe attire because oh, you know, that's you just, know, it's not who he is. I mean, it's not it's, who he is, you know, and it's just like, ah, oh, you, uh, you have those nice new tennis shoes. Ah, oh, can you not wear your chain? It's it's just like little things where yeah. you're just like telling your kid not to have this self-expression, not to be themselves. Not to be um, loud. Don't like, be loud. You know, don't, yeah, as don't as be loud. With clothes and Wow. You know, jewelry or, you know, hair. It's, it's a, Even it's like with shame. braids, like Madison grew his hair out one time and just wanted it cornrowed all the way back. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And he was like, why? I'm like, just because people will judge you. Wow. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, and he just he just wanted his hair braided because yeah. he had grown it out. And it's, yeah. it's, it's hard. It is. Um, it's really tough. All right, shift gears a little bit, Carlton. Um, interesting question. When was the first time you realized you were black was there a situation or event that made you aware of it um you know as i as i think about it at this stage in time in my life i don't know if it was the first time i realized it but there are a couple of key events that remind me is it anything i did no no okay. I, no don't take that personally <laughs> oh, oh yeah so yes Carl. say yes <laughs> no 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 Karen. You're, you're safe right now not yet not yet not yet that's it not okay. yet we had, um, it was after my, my father passed away, and um, I was uh, right around the age of 12, and we had moved back to Sussex County from living in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, 12 was a, was a big birthday for us, and for me at least, uh, because I, was, I just started middle school and had uh, developed a group of friends that, uh, you know, I felt were, we were pretty close. We was spent a lot of time Philly together. Was this in Philly or back this in Sussex? Actually, this was actually in Bridgeville. In Bridgeville, okay. In Sussex mm -hmm. County. And so... Um, the 12th birthday, we had, we had a plan to have a party. Uh, we, we had rented the church uh, fellowship hall where we attended and uh, uh, had a big plan for a theme and for the party. And, you know, the key thing at that point in time was really to hand out the invitations. Mm -hmm. school. That was a big thing. Yeah. You know, who gets to go and who doesn't get to go. <laughs> and, right, right, exactly. Um, but I, I felt really good because everyone that was in my class, about 24 or 25 kids at that time, that was going to be it. Everybody was going to go. So I was going to leave anybody out. Perfect. You know, I, I felt like that was going to be a fantastic time at the church with the theme, you know, the cake, the ice cream, the games, the whole plan for this great gathering of, of all my friends. Now, it, in Bridgeville, we lived on the northern side of town, which were, where most of the black folks lived. And um, uh, a lot of my friends came from the southern part of town because that's where school was. That's where the school was. And so I handed out all the invitations and Everyone's like, oh, man, this is going to be great. We're going to have a good time. And, and everyone said they would be there. And, you know, and we 
got up that day and got over to the church and did some decorating and laid things out and, and made the plan. And of those 25 people, um, four showed up. And uh, it, it happened to be um, three of my black friends and, and one of my white friends. So uh, needless to say, at that day for me, I, I was devastated. I was, you know, set it back. We did what we could to enjoy the party, you know, for those four or five of us that were there. But uh, the hard part was going back to school on Monday. Mm. Well. And, uh, you know, I don't remember being upset. I remember wanting to know why. Had I, had I done something? Did I say something? And, uh, you know, I remember mom having a conversation with me about, you know, not all parents feel, felt the same way, or not all parents feel the same way. And I didn't really completely understand that. I, you know, it was, it was a party. We were going to enjoy ourselves. We were going to have a great time. And these are all my friends. And I still had, a, had trouble understanding why they wouldn't come. Now, you know, there were a couple that would say, well, we had something else or a family event came up or we couldn't be there. And, you know, at that point in time, I accepted that as the, you know, their excuse. But the more I think about that, you know, I, I, I realized the reality behind that situation and um, how devastating that was. That's one of those times when I was aware that I was aware that I was aware. Mm-hmm. You know, it took me a number of years and a few other experiences to realize the impact that that one event had on me. Mm. Didn't know it then, but, but, you know, I know it now. And so uh, we had a conversation with Courtney in, in planning events like birthday parties, and, and she, she remembers this story because I told it to her a number of times, and, and she asks me to remind her regularly when we talk about getting together with friends, mm. having them come over. My yeah, exactly right. Who, who, who can we expect? Who's going to come? Because as a 17-year-old in high school, her friends are the most important things in her life right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and we understand that, and we support that. But when, when, when it, the rubber meets the road and it gets right down to it, who can you count on? Or is it who's allowed to be my friends? Who's allowed, who's allowed to be my friends? That's, that's a good Because the kids might want to be. Because the kids want to be friends. Yes, right, yeah. 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 That's, that's a good point. That's a good way to look at it. That's wow. a good way to look at it. And so, um, you know, that one event has, has meant a lot to me and, and to, my, to my family, to our family, and to the point where that's, you know, something we would consider continually refer to, even in 2020, you know, at this time. So okay. that one event that was realized. Venetia, kind of, yeah. um, this is kind of a piggyback mm-hmm. on that question. Can you share a time when someone else, like a family or a friend, realized that you were black. Um, because I was the youngest in the family, I've heard so much talk from the siblings about our color and how we needed to keep a very low profile. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother didn't drive, so during the day, if there was any place that we had to get to, we took public transportation. So from the time that I could start to walk to be able to get on the bus with her, our mother used to always say, like, just be quiet, <laughs> you know, don't make yourself conspicuous. You just want to keep a low profile because if you're not loud, if no one notices you, then they don't kind of mind that you're there. 
Mm -hmm. kind of mind that you're there. Yes. You know, they see you get on, but if you just be quiet and go to your seat, they can kind of ignore it. So it was always just be quiet, make sure that you're well-dressed so they don't look at you and point at you and say, well, you're just some little poor kid that need to be off the bus, so at least they might feel, okay, well, they can afford to be on it. But it was always be well-dressed and go sit down. Mm. Just keep a very low profile and maybe you won't be noticed too bad. Mm. Mm. All right, we're gonna get mm. into- um, Shift gears with a kind of a, a, a tough question here. A real question. Not that they haven't been real, but this one's uh, a tough question. What? I think it was Michael we're going to ask. Um, what would you say the difference between white privilege and white supremacy is? I think um, white privilege is something that uh, definitely exists, um, and it may be something that's unconscious in uh, some people's mind. Um, but it definitely exists where you uh, have the opportunities to um, you know, be successful education-wise, um, health-wise, um, privy to some things that, you know, some minorities are, we're definitely not privy to. Um, just because? Just because of color. Because I'm white. And that exists, like, you know, um, through, like, you know, uh, law enforcement, <laughs> any type of career, you know, just, it's just something that exists because uh, white people are the, the majority, therefore, definitely look out for one another. Um, Whereas white supremacy is, for me, is, is filled with uh, hate. Um, that's the driving factor as well as superiority. Mm -hmm. um, they want to be the ultimate, yeah, I guess, uh, uh, race. Um, we already know about the history of Adolf Hitler, um, supremacy groups like the KKK. Um, they just want to be the race and the dominant race, and we are to pretty much bow down and submit to them, because we, we're looked upon as animals, I feel. And you should be glad if we give you a bone, or give you something, a crumb. And that's the mindset that has been around for 401 years. <laughs> and like you said, we're here in 2020, where you see uh, some media feeds or social media feeds People expressing themselves like that's the way I think it's okay and then they lose their job because and that's just the way it is because it's unacceptable for someone to hate another person just simply for the color of their skin mm -hmm. um, to not pr promote some people and like I said um, it's institutionalized racism because the color of your skin treat somebody inhumane like George Floyd Simply because of the color of the sky. Um, I want to elaborate on that. I, I have, through some training through the church and pastoring, our, our conference has been very intentional about trying to help us learn about white privilege. And um, I, I, I owned that as much as I know how to. Mm -hmm. um, a while back, not saying that I'm there, 
But the white supremacy thing, I always thought of like KKK and Hitler mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm learning now that there's a whole different, it's not that. I mean, it is that, but mm -hmm. it's, it's broader. So yeah, much broader more. and that we're seeing it right now. And that white supremacy, that's um, direct. Mm -hmm. Direct. But you did stuff you see behind the scenes, the, you know what I'm saying? The good old boy networks, the... Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's what people don't perceive as a part of supremacy are those good old boy networks. Wow. Is the institutionalized piece where everyone in management is a white male. And mm -hmm. then, then for them, they'll throw in a white female. Mm -hmm. um, people don't view that as supremacy. But, it's, but supremacy is also connected to control. So if I'm able to create institutions and systems where everyone looks like me, where everyone is going to silently go along with the things I do, whether they're right or wrong, and that's happening somewhere, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Mm. Um, so, but like both of you said, people associate supremacy with hate groups mm -hmm. that have you know, a century old or longer history in this country. And that's not necessarily what supremacy is. And I think that we all have learned um, that there's a difference. I think in the corporate sector, we all call, we, we call it where we have to diversify and, and inclusion, but we've got those concepts because of supremacy, because of the lack of inclusion. And so I think that everyone's blinders have been taken off in the last 10 days. Yeah. Will they go back on? I recall in college, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In college, they had the affirmative action where uh, they had to have one uh, minority on the coaching staff, but that would have never happened if they didn't have affirmative, affirmative action, didn't push that, right? Right. You know, because they, they look out for the, their own at the time, and they wouldn't see, and it's crazy because the majority of the athletes on the team yeah. are African-American. It's yeah. like, you're trying to tell me the same thing that's happening in the NFL, where you have 32 teams or whatever, mm -hmm. and only four of them are African-American. Mm. And they run the team of a majority African-American. Likewise, they have the Rooney rule that they the just recently <laughs> yeah. revamped because basically they were given lip service to it and yeah. still hi the hiring practices hadn't really changed much. Yeah. Right? Can I add to that? Yes. Even with the inclusion and bringing in one, or even if they were allowed to come in, that one or those few that are there are still never accepted. Mm. They're there, but they're still excluded. I remember when my husband uh, was president of the National Association of Black Accountants, and a friend of mine said, well, I don't know why you have to have your own. We already have one. And I could not explain to her, if we were accepted, not let, let us in, but if we were accepted, we would not have to have this. Mm -hmm. So they are not understanding that even though there have been black accountants and I mean obviously in white corporations mm -hmm. and they're allowed in certain organizations, but they're just not accepted. Mm -hmm. They aren't invited into the the gatherings. They aren't invited into the, the personal spaces. Mm -hmm. They're allowed to be there and they're told to sit down and shut up. Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. Even now, people just aren't understanding. Yes, they do have black managers now. They do have some black directors, but they're not included. 
to be quiet and on the bus. Yes. Yep. Wow. All right. Um, I don't remember who we said was going to take this question. How do you feel when you hear someone say, I don't see color or I'm colorblind? Because I was going to read you. Oh, I you're going to, gonna, okay. You. Thank you. So I'm not going to say who it was, but this is just a snippet of a text message that I got. My heart hurts. I'm not feeling bad for myself, but I feel so sick at all this that's happening in the world. I was raised to not see color, and now I'm realizing that it isn't the answer either. I don't blame my parents for raising me that way. They were just doing the best they could. I want to be a part of the solution. I want to have these uncomfortable conversations. And so I believe, and I, this, this person is near and dear to my heart. We let her in our home. She babysat for us until she graduated from uh, Dell State, and she's white. Um, and so there are good white people in this world, God-fearing, loving people in this world. Um, but to teach your child, whether you're black or white, that they don't see color is ill-equipping them to deal with the world that they're going to be in. And it does not arm them with the tools they need to be able to help address the wrongs mm. that are out here yeah. when they see somebody of color being wrong. I had a conversation with someone last week who referred to someone as Oriental. I could have just kept on with the conversation, but that's a slur. We don't call our Asian American brothers and sisters that. Mm -hmm. So that was corrected. Had I been raised not to see color, I may not have even recognized that that was a problem that needed you know, mm -hmm. intervention or that needed me to say anything to. And so I think while the, I guess the, the philosophy behind that is understood, I think we all understand that we don't see color, we see human beings. I get that, but we're not there. We have to be able to see color recognize the pain that's associated with people of color, recognize the confusion and fear associated with white people right now, because white folks are afraid to talk to their black friends. They don't know what to say. Well, that, that's, that's true, because it's like, I don't know what, do you say black and brown? Do you say African? I don't even know what to say. I'm so afraid I'm going to make a mistake and offend somebody well, I would say right the now. The four of us could agree. We, we don't know, <laughs> in our friend circle, we don't know who to call black or African Americans. Yeah. Sometimes we get our own heads yeah, Because some people, they're so brothers and sisters number one, and they want to be African American. Other people want to be called black. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we all are like in this space where we're trying to be yeah. careful. Yeah. But we have to have conversations. And sometimes you ask, Carlton, do you, you prefer African-American or black? I prefer black. And then he'll tell me. And then we're good. We're good. It's a simple question. That's it. Some, some parts of this are real easy. Yeah. But there are definitely some words <laughs> we know nobody likes. Yeah. Some words that we yeah. unfortunately still hear. Yeah. Oh, yes. But yeah. nobody wants to hear yeah. those words. Yeah. Amen. So, Amen. Amen on that one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just to follow up. It's a shame we just can't celebrate our, you know, not pretend we're not different. We are different, but celebrate that. Mm -hmm. Just like guys, celebrate our blackness, our whiteness, and instead of yeah. trying to, I don't know. Yeah. And then when we it, celebrate it, don't one-up it. Because we do celebrate it, but then there's always those one or two folks that will say, well, why are they having that mm -hmm. black celebration? We don't celebrate it over here in the white community or in the Jewish community 
or in the Arab community, why right. are they having that black celebration? Why can't it be a celebration for all? You, I think we're entitled mm. to have these celebrations. I think that we should. And we do and have cultural invite, differences. Yeah, and, and if not you bad. invite other people to those celebrations, right. it's great. Yeah. But if you're not a part of that celebration, you know, don't, don't take license to tear it down because you're probably tearing it down as a point of ignorance because you're not really understanding why they're having that celebration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so Connection Church, I want you to know we're gonna go longer. So just hang with us, okay? Because there's a, just a couple more questions that it's really important to get to. Perfect. So I know you can give an hour, and so we're gonna keep going. So here you, um, here you go. across the board, what, what's it like to be the mother slash father of black sons? Black sons. It's difficult. Um, we still have the same conversation that that uh, Fran and Micah have because I mean our kids are grown. They're mm. in their thirties, mm -hmm. and um, my son is a director in a corporation, and he went jogging through his development, and he got followed by the police, and. He lives there. Oh my, oh, um, This is still happening. So we still have those conversations and, you know, it doesn't end. It doesn't stop just because they're grown. Mm -hmm. Like in that moment, it, you could be on the news right now because mm -hmm. your son could have been a mod Aubrey. Correct. Our son, uh, Jordan, he's uh, at uh, South Carolina, uh -huh. at uh, Coastal Carolina University. And we, we just like, you know, listen, man, mm. <laughs> you're in a total different area. Is uh, that a little different than being in Delaware? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I figure so, I don't want to make assumptions. I don't want to like, make assumptions. You know, that's the purpose of this. Yeah, mm -hmm. the Confederate flags in every other house. And, there you go. Mm -hmm. there, you there. know, it's scary. It's definitely scary, especially when you drive down there and you take some of the back roads and you see the Confederate flags. And even just, you know, here in Delaware, you see I some see Confederate that here. flags. Mm -hmm. um, when you cross the line to um, Virginia, you see that it's all over the place. And we just try to tell him to stay with the group. <laughs> um, even when you go to the bathroom, these mm -hmm. little basic things that we, we have these conversations with. Like girls go to bath and powder your nose. Be like, nah, dudes got to do the same thing. Well, I suggested to him one time to have day parties. I was like, y'all should just have day parties. You don't need to be out at night. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's safer. You and know? isn't it a shame that that's the conversation you have to have? That don't it go is. out at night. That it, it truly is. Yeah. If I, if I could just add to that real quick, I, I don't have a black son, yeah. but I am a black son. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. And if go. you get a chance to talk to my mom, and you all know and love her, as she Davis. will, yes, <laughs> she will tell you about some of the times when I, I pushed the envelope. No. I got real close to the edge, only because, uh, as I look at it now, I wanted to know for myself mm. what might happen, what could happen. Mm. Oh. And, and, and to this very day, um, her last words to me every single time I see her or say goodbye to her is to be careful. Mm. She still does that every single time. Not because I don't think she fears for what could possibly happen, but, um, you know, if you get a chance to hear her story <laughs> and what that's all about, she, she feels the need to do that. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I, you know, I, I love her dearly for that because that, mm -hmm. that means a lot. When know? we get back together, 
connection. That, uh, if you have a chance to talk to Ashley Davis, you should. Well, I think that that'll be in the, uh, another be part. We talk. just need to lay out a strategy. Yeah. Because we'll there's be really so much talk. to say. Well, how about a parent, a mother, or father of a, a, a black daughter? What's that like? Our conversations over the past couple of weeks have, you know, have really centered around what we're all living through. But we've been very fortunate in that um, Courtney has spurred a lot of that conversation. She's been the one to say, listen, uh, you know, that I sat and, I, and I, I've been watching the news and I don't understand. Yeah. Hmm. Tyler's been the same way. She's, Tyler's just a vocal girl. Sure. And she'll show us a video or she'll come to us and say, did you see this? Can you believe that happened? Right. Um, and, and as a parent, that gives you a different level of comfort because it's just like, whoo, I don't have to break the ice. Right, exactly. Because, right. you know, my kid's talking to me for number one, that's great. Mm -hmm. And number two, they've brought up the tough issues, so I know that they're not uncomfortable. Exactly. They right. want to hear what I have yeah. to say. And she forces us, Courtney forces us to tell our stories. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and some of them she may have heard and remembered, but she likes to hear them again. In, in, in the context of what we're experiencing now. We stopped yesterday at uh, Reading Middle School during the, the march, and mm -hmm. I told her the story that, uh, that my mom taught there when it was a segregated school. Mm -hmm. And so now she has, you know, um, a conversation to have with, with my mom when she sees her again. Yeah. Tell me about when you were a teacher of an all-black school right here in Middletown just down the road. Wow. wow. And so, you know, that's yeah. she's been really good at, at opening her, yeah. our eyes to some of that. Yeah. So. As a raising your daughter, and sending her off to college, she went to Ohio Wesleyan, which is, yeah. at that point, it's two relatives there. Two percent black. Oh wow! Know. Two. Okay. Mm -hmm. And two. two, and um, she was the only black that would have, or that was graduating, with a degree in chemistry, mm. and they fought hard for her not to make that achievement. They undermined all of her work she started realizing, wait a minute, I know I knew these answers. I should have gotten an A on this test. And she asked her white friends, could I see your test? And if she should have gotten 10 points, they'd give her eight and say, you got the right answer, but I don't think you really understood what that answer meant. Mm -hmm. So they kept taking points mm -hmm. off any way they could so that she would fall back and she would fall behind. And um, it, it took a lot of, I literally had to go up to the school like every three, four weeks and just sit with her for a weekend to try to keep her going because she didn't want to stay. And I said, oh no, you made it through three years at this school, you're going to suffer the fourth. <laughs> and I didn't mean it quite that way, but, but you're going to get that degree. You are not going to let them take that from you. Mm -hmm. She fought hard for that. She's the same age as our girls. And right. so that's like. She got a degree in pre-med and chemistry. And they did not want her to get that degree. Mm. Hmm. All right. And so, let me just finish yeah. the trifecta there. Sons, daughters, <laughs> what's it like to be the wife of a black man? Uh, you probably don't get the answer. <laughs> oh, okay. Jane could have been here, but yeah. she yeah. didn't. <laughs> Man, it is, um, first of all, I, I, I cry a lot, um, and it's sad, but I, I hear things, and then sometimes she shares things. I'm going to share this one example. Um, and I think that microaggression is real. So for my husband to come home fuming because someone looks at him and says, 
as he enters a meeting, someone says, oh, there's the scary, there's the scary guy. There's mm -hmm. the big scary guy. And you, you wonder, like, well, what does that mean? And then knowing how that has been said to my husband in other contexts, in a race-based context, gives me pain. It makes me extremely angry. And I know that people look at him because of his stature, and there are people that are just, like, you know, scared of him. And, and like, last week I asked him not to ride his bike. The bike route he takes is off Route 9 and, you know, there are a few Confederate flags back there. I said, can't, why can't you just ride down 13? It's probably safer. I don't want you to go out today. And he said, well, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. But I don't always think that he'll be fine. Um, because he has a target that doesn't wash off at night. It's the color of his well, skin. A target that doesn't wash off at night. Well, I'm not afraid of you, man. I love your hugs. <laughs> and when with social distancing is done, you owe me that tenor, whatever. Venetia, do you have anything to add to that? We're going through a very challenging time right now with Christopher. And um, as a manager, he has um, one person in particular who just refuses to report to him. She just steps over him and goes to his boss. And she, um, when he had asked her something, she said, well, I don't know why you would ask me this again. And she has indicated to his boss that he's very scary. She, she's just afraid of him. Chris? Chris? Yes, she's very afraid of him. <laughs> and um, when he was trying to clarify information to get her help, she came back and she put in writing, um, you are just inhuman mm -hmm. to ask me these questions. And uh, there were several other things in there that were very inflammatory. She's the, white, I take it. Actually, she's uh, Middle East Indian. Middle East. Mm -hmm. But that's my fear is his interaction with women. Mm -hmm. with, with women. White women. Mm -hmm. Well, look at what happened in the park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Central park. You know, I know that's. Um, I know that kind of got pushed back because of death, obviously. But you know, the death of George Floyd. But you know, I'm always coaching him, and just like I said with our sons, where we go back and forth, and like we know, we know, we know, we get it. He's always like, I got it, I got it. I'm like, no, because mm -mm. you know, I don't, I don't want you in a space with a white woman who may, who may put something in writing that now damages your career because you asked somebody to do something that has to work with you or, you know, that has, that's your colleague or that's probably not at the same level that's maybe mm -hmm. under you and has to report to you. I don't want you to be in this situation because it, because it is, it's real. It is real. And I used uh, the piggyback off what she said, I used that he's intimidating. Mm -hmm. um, I feel threatened. He's mm -hmm. aggressive. Um, I haven't been blamed for cursing at a, 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 a white woman. And I'm like, if, I, if my supervisor didn't know me, I probably would have got fired. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no way I cursed at anyone because I voiced my opinion. The way she was treating uh, some students, she felt threatened in that way. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to call you on your stuff. That's about it. Right. Other than that, but you know, saying oh, he was he was cursing at me the whole time. 
Well, I got to leave my door open. I got to have a witness there. It's like some things, you know, just like we tell our sons how to be careful when they're driving. Same things you have to put in place as an adult to protect yourself so you won't lose your job, won't be accused of uh, 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 assault or, or verbally abusing somebody. It's things you got to put in place just to protect yourself so you can provide for your family. And Al Sharpton said it, you know, pretty much perfectly um, during the um, memorial service. We simply just don't want anyone to continue to put their knee on our necks. Mm -hmm. That's all. We just want to live. We want to breathe. There's no reason why we're having these conversations with, like, you know, our kids and protecting ourselves. We always got to, you know, guard up. That's, that's horrible to live like that. Chris won't get out of the car to pump gas if he's at a gas station and there's only one white woman pumping gas. He will not get out of the car. That, that's not new. That's just the way it's been. That's the way he's, he's been because when mm -hmm. he pulls up, the women see him mm -hmm. and they're like, gosh, you know, it needs to just, just stop it now because I have to hurry up and get in the car because he's going to attack me. Mm -hmm. All right. Well. We have two more questions that I want to get to. How can we teach our kids, the, how can white families teach their kids right now? What can they say? How can this world change from the little ones up? I'm not sure how to ask, answer the, ask the question right, but. But it's, I think when Carlton gave the example of Courtney, um, listen to your children. When they, we call it ear hustling in our house. So you ear, always have ear hustling. Ear hustling. You, hustling. Gotta, you gotta keep your ear open when you hear stuff. Because then when you're putting them to bed at night, you can say, oh, I heard you and your sister talking about so-and-so. What was that um, about? Yeah. So keep your ears open so you can hear what they're saying. When they come to you asking questions or when they, you know, when you sense something about them is different, have a conversation. I cannot stress enough having conversations. Would we, could we like do that with our kids here at church? Like, yeah, church. I mean, I would I say um, I've seen a couple of things on CNN where they're doing town halls with children to yeah. talk about things from racism to they did one for COVID. I think it's important um, because it's a safe space for them to talk about how all the stuff is making them feel. Ask them how they feel because they see their parents upset. Because one night we put Josh to bed and he was just broken up and he, his, his question, and I, it, to me I had to take it as a rhetorical question because I couldn't answer it. Why do so many people have holes in their souls? Wow. So we just sat there, but it was so deep and it's so true. So you have to have conversations with your kids. Whether and how old is he? He's 10. That's a heck of a question for a 10 year old, isn't it? Yeah, he always has some good questions. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Friend, this one yours. Knock you back. <laughs> back. All right. Hey, Mom. Alan, I think we need to get to the, the, land, the, the church question. I think so too. And Go ahead. then we're going to do this again. But, mm -hmm. So, do you want to? Go ahead. Okay. So, Connection Community Church, we're committed together to the mission, connecting people with Jesus and the new life he offers. All people. All people. Um, how can Connection Church, and we as individuals, how can we have a supportive response, but not just like, like I heard you say, okay, but what are you going to do about it? Not just lip not service. Not just lip service. And, uh, you know, Alan and I have repented and asked your forgiveness for some 
not intent we didn't mean it to be lip service but and anyway what can we do as a church to be able to move ahead and make a difference i'll start i think with a key step is um become aware of your own biases however difficult that may be it has been difficult for me to, to confront the things that I know I don't like and the people that I know I don't like because there are reasons that I don't like those people but it's, 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 it's really been hard to figure out what my own personal bias is and begin to learn more about and educate myself about that. That's mirror's, one. mirrors tough, isn't it? it? It really is. It's very hard. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the conversations we've had with Courtney about understanding yourself and educating as much as you can about the things that you may, you may think you know about, but get as much knowledge as you can because you need to figure out how that affects you as an individual. Mm -hmm. I think that's the, one of the biggest first steps that need to happen. Because when you get through that, then you're ready to take step number two. Um, I, I would say that um, you have to have an all-in type of commitment. You can't pick and choose what you're going to do to eradicate racism and injustice. You have to be willing to you know, peel back the layers of that onion and not throw it out and say, oh, we're not going to deal with that piece. But you have to be willing to deal with all of them and be very intentional and know that it's not going to happen overnight. This is not something that by Christmas time we will have fixed. It might be Christmas time in 2030 that we see a difference, but we have to be committed to the, to the journey in all parts of it. And just to piggyback off what uh, Carlton said, just like I said, just um, recognizing and acknowledging that, that you, know, you have these biases and people are different. And you have to do your research, you have to educate. I mean, it's not always, you know, we can't I tell you everything. You have to do your own research. Right. Know your history. You have to care. That's the one thing we can teach you. You have to actually genuinely care about someone other than yourself, the way you had it, mm. your privileges and stuff like the things, the opportunities you had. It's a boatload of research. These phones, are, and it's the best thing you can have as far as research and stuff like that. So researching and seeing these things and, and seeing how can I contribute? How can I uh, change, make change from small ones to huge ones? Make the change. Being a part of organizations that, 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 that wants change to try to find our equity, you know. Um, the answer's out there. I mean, it, it, so it's a bold load of things you can do. Um, I can't blurt them all out to right. you. Mm -hmm. The regular is, is, is a bold load of things, you know, like you said, just starting the conversation. <laughs> Start the conversation. And you will get some of these biases and stuff like that will surface. As long as you respect the space and stuff like that, let them blurt out whatever they have they want to blurt out. As long as it's respectful. And you can always share your own uh, uh, views and beliefs. So we can pretty much conquer this, this like she said, eradicate this virus called racism. I think it also um, is for people to understand that it wasn't about just the killing of this one person. That, that wasn't the story. It was the, the trigger. But it's because that there's a whole underlying problem that has not been addressed. And as a community, understand the history, which of course is not being taught. 
But we, all brown people, have been a part of the history of making of America. It was built with all of us. And to understand that if you are not getting any history about any brown people in school, mm. then you obviously are really missing a big part of history. Mm. And understand that that history is very significant to us. And it has some good things and it has some very damaging things. Things that don't just get wiped away. Mm -hmm. And understand that you don't understand. We aren't asking you to understand. Because you're not. You, you, you haven't been there. And mm -hmm. that's okay. It's okay. But just understand that you don't understand. And don't tell me, well, you should be over that by now. That wasn't you. That mm -hmm. was your grandparents, your great-grandparents. You know. And we love you. We aren't, you know, we don't have any problems with you, so you should just be okay. We allow you in our inner circles. We love you. I don't know what your problem is. Mm -hmm. you, you can't just smooth it over like that. Understand mm -hmm. that we have pain. Yeah. I had a conversation with a black pastor friend who I've, we've known since seminary. Mm -hmm. We just called him to see how he's doing, and, and the first thing he said, somehow we got into just what we're talking about now, and he said what you just said, the uh, you, know, you gotta first recognize your mm -hmm. your stuff. Mm -hmm. He said, second is um, reach out and create a friendship with somebody, mm -hmm. and not just chit chat. Go to their house, mm -hmm. share a meal, mm -hmm. really become a friend. Mm -hmm. Know what their kids, not just their name, but know what makes them. You know, mm -hmm. uh, is this. Does this ring a little bit? That mm -hmm. we, we need to be more than just uh, across, literally across the table from each other. That's what Fran was speaking about, like being it, being it intentional. Yeah, right. There you. Being that's the, that's the word. Yeah. In fact, that word yeah. came out when I was talking to this guy. Mm -hmm. To be intentional. Yeah. Have some intentional relationships with people that don't look like me. Mm -hmm. Don't think like me. I also wanted to just add, um, along with that intentionality, um, in my job and in my life, I've been, learned to be a listener. And I realized the importance of being willing to do that. And that's not an easy thing to do for some people. You know, uh, learning how to listen and be open and willing to hear what people have to say. Because then you can, you can really hear their heart. When, you, when you're really intentional about what they say, you can really see where they're coming from. And I think that's really very important. Have the intentional conversation, but be willing to listen, really listen to what's being said. Two ears, one mouth. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> work, out, work through that ratio, right? Twice as hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. So I, I think if we can, at Connection Church, make spaces for those things to happen, yeah. mm -hmm. I, I feel like we're, we're, we'll be on the right track. All right. Can you help us? I mean, we're all in this... Yeah, I mean, we're, yeah. I've been at everybody's dinner table here. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I just feel like I want to cry. But thank you. I really, really a lot appreciate of the conversation. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And I feel like, golly, days, I'm crying. I shouldn't be crying. I mean, I'm crying. Yeah. It's good. I don't even it's know good. what to, anyway. Well, this is affecting you in some way. Yes. Well, it and that's, is. That's, and that's good. It's that's killing good. me that 
Because you don't have a hole in your soul. Yes. <laughs> it's filled with goodness. Well, we, we all, though, that's the challenge. We all do have some, it may not look like a hole, but there's some crevices, there's some yeah. cracks, we, mm -hmm. we, and that's mm -hmm. the challenge. When As soon as I think, well, that's not me, <laughs> hello. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's that mirror. Sure. Yeah. You know, and it's hard to look in that mirror and to admit stuff, but it's crucial, you know. And well, all four of you over the years have helped us, like you've been safe people for us to come to and say, well, what about this? Or we hmm. want to do this? Or is this the right thing to say? Or I don't even know. Or, hey, um, when you said that, it kind of came out this and... Oh, we we so want that, and that. We're, we ask you, please help us, because we do have to get this right so well, that But it, it was said with better. love and caring, yeah. and that, you know, because we're friends, and we all, I think, want to get, get it right. And yeah. we just so appreciate you guys, uh, what you share with us. Thank you. There are others of you, you in the church who we love, and we've been at your tables, too, and... Um, we're going to have part two, three, four, five. We've got to figure out a strategy, and um, we will. Com we are committing to that. And mm -hmm. um, so, um, thanks for hanging in there. And uh, we, we're going to move to communion. We want to move to Holy I, Communion. I want to share a prayer to kind of okay. wrap this up, Let and me then get my tissue. And I don't want you moving during the prayer, but as soon as the prayer over, run to the kitchen, get your communion elements. Or maybe it's already set up. <laughs> or maybe you've up. already got it set up, <laughs> yeah. hopefully. So uh, yeah. I just want to share a prayer for us. Lord, I, um, I thank you for this time. I thank you for each one in this circle. I thank you for each one who's watching. I don't even know what to say, Lord. Um, what brought us to this point is tragic. We should have been here long ago. You call us to, to justice and to mercy. You call us to love all. And yet we're so good at not listening to what you say. Lord, please open those two ears <laughs> and shut our one mouth at times so that we would listen rather than talk. Please help us to take the butts out of our conversation. Yeah. Da, 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 but, da, 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 but please help us to just learn to listen. Try to hear the pain. Try to hear the story that's brought that pain about, Lord. Please help us to celebrate our differences. To celebrate how we're unique, how we um, can enrich one another. Please help us to not be fearful. Please help us to, uh, to enjoy one another mm. rather than fear. We thank you, we praise you, we glorify your holy name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All this gathered said. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.